Greetings, welcome, hey yo! And to my peeps, suck passe. That just makes me feel so good when I say my introduction. I hope it does too. I hope it puts a smile on your face, you know? Um, I'm super excited. I know I say that all the time, <laughs> but I am. I'm super excited about being on the grief mic today. Um, Cause I'll be speaking to a queen who had to do something really hard that I am still trying to wrap my mind around. And that's why you don't police grief. I say it all the time. Stop policing people's grief in their journey because their breakthrough has to come. And if we keep them in a box, they can't get there. Now, <laughs> I'm moving too fast. I'm moving too fast. How are you doing? And I hope you're doing amazing. Check us out. Check us out. Check us out on Facebook and become a grief crusader. No matter where you're at in the world, it's worth creating a Facebook account for. Join us in the grief crusaders community. Oh, baby, where we dissect, talk about and continue to build because I say this all the time. I cannot do this grief work by myself. I'm on this mic educating you so you can tell your friends and them friends and that friend tell their friends and that friend tell, them, tell that friend. And guess what? We'll all get to a place of restoration instead of going in this cycle of pain and sorrow and not understanding it and questioning your life. So, baby, join me, Herdee Mercier, the Chief Grief Crusader at... Or in our community on Facebook called Grief Crusaders. I'll see you there. And now, let me introduce my... Now, I have a lot of sisters all around the world because I'm in P2P. If you're new to the podcast and don't know what P2P is, long story short, my coach, my business coach, and the reason I'm on this grief mic is Patrice Washington. And Patrice Washington really helped birth my life assignment and the beauty of being in the purpose to platform community is that I get to meet people all over the world and as you'll see in this episode I kind of messed it up of where she was in the world so you need to listen in and stay tuned I can't wait to laugh with you all about it in the grief crusaders community on Facebook you know I'm not perfect this life isn't perfect and I made a mistake but she just gave me so much grace and I love it. Oh, the queen Trina is on the mic and let me tell you what she is. She is a thought leader. I, I This is not even on her bio. She is a thought leader. When you think about emotional well-being and what that would take. I love it. Without further ado, my P2P sister. Trina Casey. Welcome. Hello. Hello, Miss Trina. Welcome to the Redefining Grief Podcast. I'm so excited to have you here. You're Thanks. amazing. And just, at, I know, you know, I always say every episode is amazing, but I know, I know that I know that this is going to help heal some people who are tethered to their mothers and you know and I have to realize in life that 
I have an amazing mom and that I'm blessed to have an amazing mom, but not everyone has that experience. And, and I'm not saying your mom is not amazing. I'm not saying your family members aren't amazing, but just kind of reading what we're going to be discussing about today. I was just like, wow, um, this is good because you're going where I couldn't help someone. I know the wisdom you're going to drop today is going to be able to help set them free in a good way so that they can go from grief to purpose. Welcome. Thank you. I'm super excited. I know my girl. She's my P2P sisters. Y'all heard a lot of about them this uh this month. Well, we are a group of women who are getting ourselves together, building our empire to leave not just a legacy of wealth, but a legacy of emotional wealth. And that's what my girl Trina is going to bring for us today on the podcast. So my opening question, sis, what is your truth? What is my truth? Hmm. That's a good question. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Well, basically, I say always speak your truth. That Mm -hmm. is a model of um, This Real Life Books, which is my publishing company Mm -hmm. that deals with um, children's children's books that teach emotional intelligence and empathy to children Mm -hmm. through storytelling. And... Everything that I do is basically around speaking the truth. Mm. And um, that's how you heal yourself. That's Mm. how you heal trauma. That's how you heal things, to say it, to face it, and then move past it. And that's why when I started my anchors of grieving, I said, you have to tell the truth. That's the very first step. I know some people will go to faith. Um, maybe I should pray first, but I'm like, well, before you can pray, you got to know what the truth you're praying about. And then you got to talk about the heart and then you got to find community and faith. And then all of that comes together to get you to a place of restoration. But sis, telling the truth sometimes is hard. Knowing the truth is sometimes hard. And facing you and the reality of who you are, not what you just believe you are, but your actions, your Mm -hmm. past actions, Mm -hmm. Um, because we can live in denial Mm -hmm. about things. And, you know, sometimes that that's a coping mechanism Mm -hmm. so that you're running away from the pain. So, you know, I just I don't believe that. Nope, nope, I know. Nope. And the truth, and I say this all the time, that truth is freedom. Okay, now let's go back. And you know, this month I'm running a series on mothers who had to redefine grief for themselves and get from grief to purpose. And in redefining grief, not just for you, but for your son, ooh, you got to tell it. I can't tell your truth better than you, sis. What was that? Well, uh, well, it all goes back to my own childhood, my own inner child. Because, you know, I always say we're just children walking around in adult suits, trying to pretend we got everything figure, figured out while we're just spreading our trauma mm. onto the next generation, onto our own children. 
And so we got to get to the truth of our childhood trauma. And for me, you know, I grew up with a mom who I don't doubt loved me. Mm. No, I just know that she went through a lot, a lot of trauma herself. And so that translates into your parenting style. You know, uh, she was from the South and, you know, rough poverty and just really an introverted person too on top of that. Mm -hmm. She has like 13 siblings, um, abusive dad, mom left because of the abuse. And I don't think she ever really got over that, Mm -hmm. you know. And therefore, you know, I come into the picture. She, she had me very young. And I think what all people in those situations, what they do is they use their children as a crutch, as a, a filler of some type of internal void. And what we don't understand is when we have children we don't know what our motivation is to have children because it's it's very separate (laughs) different from that we we can put a a lot of energy on them and they don't know what that is they're like okay i gotta make sure mom is okay or i gotta or i gotta be good or i gotta be this but they are never allowed to just be who they are Mm -hmm. because first of all society says no, you can't do that. Mm-hmm. And children are supposed to be seen and not heard and obedient and all this. But then in the same turn, you'll say, I want you to grow up to be independent and driven and, and, and speak your mind, but not with me. Mm. And that's, that was what happened. You know, it's like give the same one lesson, but not allowing it to act out in daily life. So, you know, I was, I was obedient. I was quiet, but I had all of this stuff inside of me that I wanted to express. But I, I felt a little bit of sh- ashamed to do that mm-hmm. or there's something um, wrong with me. I always say I'm the white sheep of the family. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I always wanted to do something different. I always wanted to, you know, go see the world. And, you know, my family is in the same place that they've been since I was born. Just that desire to move and go. So I always felt something was not right. But you, knew, but you knew you needed more. And so being the white sheep of the family, whew, it takes some courage. It takes some um, wanting more that sometimes it means saying goodbye. Exactly. And that's what it is. And, and, you know, and redefining grief, I talk about the word goodbye and and it has great value because it's how you say goodbye that takes you to a place of restoration and closure and where you're not harboring any health. I mean, you're not harboring any hate um, and you're moving forward in a peaceful way and not taking that emotional. You're doing your thing way over there. You're living your life out of the United States. Yes, I got sisters in Dubai. I do. Yes. (laughs) And one of the things that I want to ask you, because 
in overcoming your grief and letting go of what your mother's idea of raising a healthy child is, you had to then move to a place of restoration, but it looks different from you. Your whole idea is emotional intelligence to heal you and your inner child so that they don't have to deal with it. And oh, baby, I'm ready to hear about it. <laughs> so like what I was saying, basically, we, we have a tendency to think that our emotions are exclusive to us as adults and that children are not allowed to have an emotional expression. And, you know, and I will, I can, I can have many friends that can give me, give me examples of this, but when you were crying, for example, you better stop crying. Mm. How many times did you hear that? And this is very particular in the black family. Mm-hmm. If you don't stop crying, I'm going to give you a reason to cry. Mm-hmm. So what we've been teaching our children is that your emotions don't matter. Mm. And when you know your emotions don't matter, you feel you don't matter. That's what it turns into. And that's how we as women... And men, or I should say we as girls and boys, end up in adult relationships where we think it's okay to be in them and that person doesn't treat us like we matter. If the the waves or if the signals of life has been telling me that I don't matter um, through my home environment, gets what's happening. That's all I know. So I am going to gravitate towards someone that isn't respecting me or isn't loving me because that's all I know and have the fine love for me in that arena. Okay. So now, sis, you've developed the five principle of emotional intelligence to heal the inner child so that you can show up for your child. I love that. What was the process like in healing you? It was a lot of take. First of all, the really important piece was taking my parent, parent, my mother off the pedestal. And I want to say that was also with my stepdad. Mm. Um, there's a certain thing as children, what we do is we put our parents up on the pedestal. They're your world. And then all of a sudden you realize they're human. But for the longest time, and if there's any type of over-criticizing, which was a huge part of my childhood, was I never felt like I did anything right. Um, Even when I was doing things right, compliments were very few. Um, Praise wasn't very much a part of of the culture. And so you're always in a place of self-doubt. And so for me, I didn't think I was good enough. I didn't think I was enough. I didn't think I was lovable. You know, I knew, you know, the one compliment was always, oh, you look like your mom, you're so pretty, or you, those type of things. But that's not the whole of who you are, your, mm-hmm. your physical appearance. Matter of fact, I started to resent it a little bit. You know, because mm-hmm. I am an absolute mirror of my mom. <laughs> mm, beautiful, beautiful. Says we look just alike, you know. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and then there was just the things that were unconscious. That's one of the things, too, is that, 
like, oh, uh, you're little. When I was your age, I was this size or I had this or that. You know, it's like you they they're unconsciously perpetuating all this self-doubt. Mm-hmm. So for me, it had to be the realization that was happening. And then it had to be the forgiveness around it. Mm. Because I had to go, mm, I'm so angry. I'm so angry that, you know, I blame you for not make, helping me learn how to love myself. And though some of that is true, but it's also part of being a human being. From where she came from, the little bit that I got was a lot. And then it, as it should go, what happens is when there's no awareness. Mm-hmm. And then the first pillar of, um, or the first principle of emotional intelligence in my program is self-awareness. Mm-hmm. When you have self-awareness, you are able to see how you are feeling in your body, how you are feeling about you. And then you can regulate around that. But if you have no awareness of how you feel about yourself, how are you going to be there and show up for your kids or anybody else or let alone yourself? Mm-hmm. You know, it's like you're always, you need to have a conversation with you in those moments when you're triggered from memories, from, from any type of childhood trauma. You got to be able to have the awareness and go, ooh, I, I remember where this is coming from. Or just saying, I feel a lot of tension in my body. Really? Okay, sis, I hear everything that you're saying in regards to the elements. I know we're going to dig deeper later on in the interview. But what I want to ask you is, you know, my thing about healing and grief and getting to that, you had to grieve the idea that your mom was not going to be Claire Huxtable, basically. Exactly. That that was just not your story. And so in grieving that, I always say when you grieve, you need community, right? And typically our community or our first community, our family and friends. But when you have to grieve what your mom did not give you emotionally, what your stepdad did not give you emotionally, and maybe extended family outside of that, what did developing connections and community look like for you? Because community is power, man. Right. Right. I was truly blessed at around uh, 13, 12, 13 years old. Um, I made a friend and her family basically kind of adopted me. Mm. And her mom was Claire Huxtable. (laughs) I call her Mama Boogle. Mm -hmm. It was just seeing how different family dynamics work and how much um, nurturing I was missing, um, not love, just nurturing, you know, Mm -hmm. and nurturing is something that you have to be taught Mm -hmm. from your mother, Mm -hmm. how to nurture, you know, and it comes in different forms, Mm -hmm. but mine, it wasn't about having a roof over your head. It wasn't about having food on the table. It wasn't about having clothes. It was about, getting hugs and contact and being told that I was great Mm. and that someone was really proud of me for what I was doing in my life. And um, 
you know, and to this day, I still talk to her, you know, because mm-hmm. the, one of the things I had to grieve with my mom is that because of her abandonment issues, she constantly abandoned me. Mm-hmm. She didn't know. Yeah. And that's where grace comes in. Like, I love you enough to say goodbye and I adore and love you enough to understand and provide the grace. Um, but I know my, my heart has to heal. So I do not pass that emotional lack to the next generation. And me healing looks like saying goodbye. Exactly. That's deep. And, you know, oftentimes, you know, mother figures have to step in and they're needed. Like for me, sisterhood is so important because I have an amazing sister. You understand? I have amazing cousins that have turned into sister. Do you understand? And so it's, it's very important that you find community even if it means changing the script and you're a perfect example of that. You said, you know what? I know this isn't the light. I knew it since I was your child. I knew I was destined to do something else. That's why I call myself the white sheep. Um, sheep. <laughs> white sheep. And then I knew I was, I was supposed to be and do something different. And in doing that, you have now allowed yourself to heal and get to a place of restoration. Because let me tell you something. If you put a Band-Aid on it and you think, well, I'm not going to really deal with my mama issues. I've had the times where I'm like, oh, my God, I'm my mama. I'm my mama. I'm my mama. Yeah. And, and my mama's a good mama. But I'm like, oh, my God, that's what my mama would have did. It is seeped into our DNA. It is it's just there. And so if you are not aware of it, you can't say, oh my God, I just had my mama experience. Uh-oh. And if it was an experience that wasn't healthy or good, now you can say, uh-oh, I just had a mama experience. I need to work on that. Yeah. And that's what I believe your principles talk about and teach. Having those emotional intelligence and the awareness and the awareness Mm -hmm. of the pain. Because once you are aware and can tell the truth, then change happens. Exactly. And then you can step back and you can say, whoa, you know, um, there's something called an amygdala. Mm -hmm. That's the part of the brain that just takes over when your emotions are triggered. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I had a very o- overly emotional mom. We didn't have any space. Mm-hmm. We didn't have emotional space. She had all of the emotional space. To this day, she has all of the emotional space. Nobody else has space in there. And um, so it was just like, when you see yourself start to have these reactions and you're not aware of you're fight, you, okay, so when you're not aware that you're having those reactions, first of all, everybody is just against you. You become mm-hmm. the victim. But all of a sudden, when you have that awareness, you go, oops, I did something wrong. And the thing is, is that it will come out mm-hmm. no matter how hard you try. Like you said, it's in your DNA. But what you can do is repair it. And mm. that's what I'm talking about. 
Yeah. I say to my son all the time, who, sorry, that just came out. That was old programming. Sorry, baby. Let me come back and talk to you and tell you why this is not about you. Mm, I love that. There's something that my, my dad taught me um, and my mom, but I really remember as a child, my dad saying the words, I'm sorry. And I just remember, oh, my dad apologized to me. Did something to you? It meant the world to me. And that's why I know that feeling that if I mess up with my kids, I know how to sit them down, look them in the eye, and not and I took it now because he gave me that, right? Um, I now am taking it a step further with just generation. I'm also saying, Azzy, Tamar, Jason, my brother, Elton, I'm sorry. And following up, when you're ready, can you open your heart to forgive me? Love that. I love that. Yes. When they're ready. When they're ready. Because you can, your desperation to be forgiven sometimes can undermine their emotional need to be angry. Come on. Come on. Come on, come on. And so I'm teaching them that I'm one, not perfect. Two, how to heal a relationship when things aren't always right or go well. And then have the language to move forward in a healthy manner. And I I love it. I love it. But it started with my dad. So I know that feeling of the child and hearing this adult man say, I'm sorry. I know that. And then what I want to go into next is you talk about learning that emotional intelligence. That's all great, but I want to double back before what I go into next. You say emotional space. You didn't have it. For those those listeners, those grief crusaders who are listening right now, give us some example of not having emotional space because we can have the word for it. And sometimes we experience it, but don't have the word for it. So tell us what not having emotional space looked like. Some examples. Okay. So an example of not having an emotion, some emotional space is that when you are angry, okay. And that person want to just keep railing on you, mm-hmm. railing on you, like, talking and talking and talking and talking and talking and you just want to run away and scream, you know? Um, okay. I got it. I got it. That's not giving somebody emotional space. Sometimes I catch myself in the repetition mode because that's what happened to me. It was over and over and over the same thing. It's like, well, I heard you mm-hmm. now let me go um, digest it or just get away from you until I am feeling out of Hulk mode. Mm-hmm. You know, I need to calm down. You need people, you need to be calm mm-hmm. to get people to register your emotions mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and what you're feeling at the time. Yeah. Everybody's trigger, trigger, trigger. Everybody's just throwing stuff and it's bouncing off, but nothing is absorbing into the other person. No Mm-mm. empathy is going to be allowed to be given or received at that point. So the emotional space is, I'm really upset right now. I need to walk away from you. Or emotional spaces, I'm really disappointed something didn't happen. Oh, get over it. Mm. That's just life. Those type of responses don't give that person the time to grieve 
That's a pile, pearls of wisdom. That's good. You know, and so for me, um, with a child, so sometimes, you know, you'll go back to your childhood and you'll remember, oh, I, I got through that. Mm-hmm. But you have to say to your kid, wow, that must feel really bad. That, 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 I, I'm so sorry you're feeling that. Because you just gave validation to their emotional state and you gave them space. Right there. Hmm. Gave them the space. Okay. And then because they feel safe with that emotion in that space and they have somebody they can anchor to, then you can say, what can we do to make you feel better? What do you think, what, what, what will make you feel better? Or do you just need to sit in this? Because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you, you don't let yourself stay there, mm-hmm. right? You, I don't let my kids stay there. Mm-mm. I say, okay, I acknowledge your feelings. I'll give you some time to digest it. Now, how are we going to move beyond it? That, mm-hmm. That's giving space. That's so good. That is so good. And now I want to go into um, that faith anchor. Mm. To, you know, oftentimes as a Christian, I will say, you know, God is the father. And and sometimes we'll even hear here behind the pulpit, like your first father or your first representation, your first representation of who God is, is your daddy, right? And so for you, your first representation of what mother is, the nurturing part, probably that idea probably would have come from your mom and not having it and having to say goodbye to that dream of having the Claire Huxable and then going out and having restoration by finding a Claire Huxable, right? So what I want to ask you, what does faith look like for you and now, and relationships, what does that look like? Who Did you have to redefine faith? Yes. Well, my, my upbringing was not in the church or even around religion. My, my mom was brought up in a religious background, and she found a lot of hypocrisy in it. And mm-hmm. um, being, um, she was uh, Methodist. Mm-hmm. And then um, for me, I had this kind of like playing in the background, you know, don't trust, don't trust. That was one, a big thing, because when you're never really honest with yourself, like I said before, you are the victim to everything all the time. Mm-hmm. So um, she was a victim Mm-hmm. of religion she was you know don't trust the man don't trust men mm-hmm. it was a big big part of our theme because my biological dad mm-hmm. is a different man that raised me than my stepfather who also had a lot of issues mm. alcohol drugs and so my i didn't have an anchor in that in what we're talking about there was no representation of that faith pillar because I had no faith in anybody Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and anything Mm -hmm. you know so what happened was when I was on my first marriage um I had thought I finally found somebody but I realized what I was was the anchor to him all the time Mm -hmm. I never I was always floating around 
I didn't get any anchor, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? And so I just, I lost it. I didn't want to be here anymore because I hadn't dealt with my pain yet. Mm-hmm. I hadn't gone, okay, this is what my problem, this is what the issue is. I've been in therapy a few times and I was just like, cause I knew there was something that mm-hmm. wasn't sitting right with me deep inside. And then um, at that moment when I didn't want to be here anymore, I, uh, I decided not to be here anymore. Okay. Let's talk about when you didn't want to be here. Cause I hear when you didn't want to be here, you mean like here in the United States and that's why you're in Dubai or here in the, like, you don't want to be here. Like you didn't want to be alive. I didn't want to be in this dimension, this life anymore. Mm. I wanted to go beyond it because I knew there was something beyond it. My mm. whole life. I knew there was something. I remember going, this, I don't belong here. I know that feeling. I don't belong mm-hmm. here. Why am I here? This is not nice. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, else. I know there's someplace else nicer, you know? And so it was at that moment I decided, and my little dog decided, I had bought a puppy about four months before I decided I didn't want to be here anymore. Mm. And that little puppy was licking me on the face as I was lying on the floor. And I got up and I said, I can't do that to, to, to this little puppy. Mm. I can't leave. I, got a, I took a responsibility. And the truth is, is I didn't want to die. I just wanted the pain to stop. I just wanted the pain to stop. That was it. And then I had a purpose all of a sudden. You know, and as small as it was, it became very important to me. It was something pulling me. And I was like, I heard a little voice, get up, mama, get up. And I said, I'm not going to abandon you like I feel abandoned. And it was when I was there, I called my friend, she came and got me and she took me to the hospital and she said, and I called my mom. And that was when I said, okay enough. I'm not calling for you to save me anymore. Because that's not your role in my life. I can't depend on you. You know, you want to roll up in your mom's arms and cry and baby, it'll be okay. That's not who she was. So I had to grieve at that moment that that woman who birthed me, who loves me in the way that she can, can never give me the emotional support that I need or the emotional space that I need. Because it it was never about me. It was never about me. So that's why I say it's so important to know what your motivation is to have a child. Mm -hmm. Because once you have that child, it's no longer about you anymore. It's not about you in that way. It's about, it's about, it's about bringing another human being forth and hopefully a better version of yourself. (laughs) That's how I feel about it. Mm -hmm. Hopefully a better version of yourself. And if you're not committed to your own healing, Mm. how are you going to do that? If you have, you haven't been committed to your own healing before then, how are you going to do that? And at least you can do is start committing to your healing now 
Now that you've had that child, now that you see your little mirror reflecting at you, you better have the desire deep in you to start on that healing process. This is so good. This is so good. Because the wisdom is so good and all the piles, pearls of wisdom, that I'm just like, this is so good. It's so freeing. That phone call you made to your mother was freeing. And saying, I know this hurts. I know the heartache of this hurts, but I have to let you know that I cannot depend on you emotionally anymore. I cannot depend on the dream, the dream of what you should be for me. I have to deal with the hard truth that what you show up, show up as is the truth. You know, my Angelo says, show me who you are, you know, show me who you are. And, um, and believe me, you got to just show you, show me who you are. And when you show me who you are, I have to believe it and not change it. And so mama dear, she showed you who she was, but grace is what's keeping you to saying, I got to do better for me. And what I love about it is I'm doing better for me so that I'm not passing on this mess, this emotional mess to the next generation. And that's the hard truth. That is the hard truth. And I want to go back to faith. Yes. yes, So how... How was your faith? How are you anchored in faith now? What does that look like? Mm. Well, during that time, it was not too long after I met this lovely lady, Diane Croy. Mm. I was living in Montreal at the time. And she, I met her on a bus and she was asking me how I was. And I was, you know, I, I must have been on my it must, the energy must have been on me. Mm-hmm. She said to me, um, would you like to come to my Kaikan? And I was like, what's a Kaikan? It's basically the Buddhist version of a church. Mm-hmm. And when I, I went, she picked me up I, because I was having a bad day. And she said, well, if you're having a bad day, call me. And I called her. And because I was new to Montreal, I had just uh, separated from my first husband. So I was basically on my own. It was just me and my dog. And then um, I called her, I said, she said, I'm gonna come pick you up right now. She came pick me up, took me, it was a Sunday too, took me to, with her to the, the Kai Camp. And when I sat down, I'm just looking around, seeing all these people of all different cultures and colors and, you know, in this big space and it was beautiful. And then, I hear this hum. And I was like, whoa, what was that? Mm-hmm. And it was like some vibration coming up into my, from my feet up into the rest of my body. And I was like, wow, this is crazy. And she's and after it, she said, how'd you feel? I said, I felt at peace mm-hmm. from that, you know? And she said, well, you know, in Buddhism, we believe everybody's Buddhist first. And I went, oh, okay. Mm-hmm. You know, and I met a woman who was Jewish. Mm-hmm. I met a woman who was Christian. I met a woman who was um, just all these different backgrounds. Mm-hmm. And they were all there practicing the Buddhist faith along 
with their other tradition. How but, has your how has your Buddhist faith healed you and get you to a place of restoration with your grief? Um, hmm. <laughs> there is one of the things that we had to do in Buddhism is you have to study before you receive yoga hansen, which is sort of just the prayer, Namiho Rangi Kyo. Um, and it is so that you understand why it's here, where it came from. And then I realized I didn't understand who I was and where I came from, mm. you know? And it's, it's not like praying for things. It's about changing your vibration, you know, Be, and to allow things to come to you. Mm-hmm. So when I started believing that and seeing that happen, that's when I was like, I have control of my life. Mm-hmm. I have control of my emotions. I am... I'm just one of the millions of people out here, you know, trying to figure things out. But I have this, I have control over this piece of me, you know, while the rest of the world and everyone that I met practicing was so peaceful. And Mm -hmm. I wanted that peacefulness. Mm -hmm. I wanted that, that center, Mm -hmm. you know, and then it made me want to have to give back as well. Mm-hmm. I, at that point, I don't think I was giving back, mm. you know, I was kind of surviving mm. until it's done. I was like, ah, I don't want to be here anymore. I'm just survive this until it's over. Yeah. And, um, and you know, the sad truth is a lot of people are in survivor mode and, and they're in grief, don't know it. And they can't get to their purpose because their grief feels normal. It's because it is normalized. Everything in culture and society tells you mm-hmm. how you are feeling, when you're feeling that way, is how you're supposed to feel. Mm-hmm. That's not true, though. There's something higher. There's a vibration higher than that. And you can call it, uh, you can call it God. You can call it whatever you want. But it is a vibration that gives you peace, mm-hmm. that gives you knowing and wisdom mm-hmm. and and, and, and ever since then, that's where I've been focused. My energy has been focused in some way or form. I love it. Yeah. I think what I learned, let me tell y'all something, grief crusaders. <laughs> let me tell y'all something, grief crusaders. My friend, I'm not just going to put anybody on the grief mic. My friend is all the way certified as a family trauma professional, CBT trained coach a children's author's book, if you resonated, if any of this resonated with you, my sister is here to help, even though she's in Dubai. Not Dubai, Amsterdam. Amsterdam. Yeah. All this time I've been saying Dubai. I was wondering. (laughs) I'm in Amsterdam. (laughs) I mean, oh my Lord. I I can't keep up with all of y'all. Then who is in Dubai? Ramisha. Oh, <laughs> yes, yeah, she's in Amsterdam. See, I got people's everywhere, y'all. <laughs> I got people's everywhere. But the truth of the matter is, um, 
whether it's Romisha in Dubai or, or Tracy, not Tracy, where am I getting Tracy from? Trina. <laughs> Trina. <laughs> OMG. Trina is here to help. She has books. And let's talk about your book. Let's talk about that children's book. Say the title of it. And what was the premise of that? Well, I've got, um, right now I've got three books. And then mm-hmm. I have a mini book. And the mini book is called um, Five Principles of Emotion, um, Parenting in the Five Principles of Emotional Intelligence. And that's a free book that you can get at um, this real life books, get hyphen a hyphen book.com if you subscribe you can get that book right there and it outlines a lot of the principles just a few tips and 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 mindset changes that you can have to help you be an eq based parent um then i have the children's books my first published book was galaxy's well mm-hmm. and this book is actually deals with the grief of losing a parent oh so it's about a little princess and she doesn't want to be a princess. She doesn't feel pretty. She doesn't fit in with her, 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 her twins who, who are older and gorgeous. And then she has a, a stepmother who is um, not her mother because her mother died. And then she has a grieving father who stays away mm. because he's still in grief. And so this, she's just on her own. And she, just, she decides to run away one day because she falls asleep before she does. And then uh, her subconscious takes her on a journey and she meets a a unicorn named Galaxy. And she travels in the mouth of a well to another world where she discovers who she is, the essence, her power, her beauty. And then she has to make a choice whether to stay there or go home. And so the whole story is about making choices and dealing with the consequences of the choices, but also speaking your truth. Because when she goes back, she has the courage to finally speak her truth to her parents and tell them how she's feeling inside. I need the book. (laughs) You really do. I need the book. Yep. (laughs) You really need it. And then I have a second book called um, um, I Love Pink, A Trans Tale. And the reason why I wrote this book is that I think we are all um, God's children. We are all, no matter where our lifestyles, whatever, we get to be who we want to be and what resonates with us. And there should be no one judging that. Mm -hmm. So there are a lot of um, people out there in pain because they're not allowed to be who they want to be. And then they're actually persecuted and, and killed. Mm-hmm. horrible things to happen because they just can't be allowed to be who they want to be mm-hmm. and I don't I don't think that's right you know yeah. so I wrote a book about a little uh girl who's Juanita and her best friend who is Kiana and she is actually going through her own trials and tribulations being a being a um foster child and she that she stands up for for Juanita and Juanita stands up for her and it's about this tight friendship and they become a family and um, I, and then the third book is a collaboration from my writing class because I teach a writing class called Mindful Storytellers mm-hmm. and I take children through an EQ based um, writing class and they help 
um, contribute to a story that I write by um, giving me bits and pieces, but we're, the whole time we're going through the emotional intelligence and the five pillars mm. through the process and discussing them through the storytelling process. And so I've, we've came out with the first book called Leo the Technicolor Panther, who also is dealing with the, the loss of his parents. But you got to get the book to find out. I know, why. I know, I know. <laughs> Leave them with that. Leave them with that. You know, I need, to, I really need to get the book. Some serious. Um, <laughs> the truth of the matter is, before I let you go, thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> I, I'm thankful for the dog that licked your face. Oh, thank you. I am too. I miss him I, all the time. <laughs> I know. I'm thankful for that dog because your light deserved to shine in this world and I need you to feel that all the way in Amsterdam (laughs) (laughs) I got it right (laughs) I need you to feel that and know that truth I do now I do now you matter and so before I let you go um, I am going to ask three questions and the very first question is what have you learned about yourself in redefining your grief I've learned that I have overcome a lot of grief. Like I have lived it, been in it, uh, been consumed by it at times Mm -hmm. that I still from time to time um, have to uh, look in the mirror and, and go get right with myself and remind myself. Yeah. Oh, sorry. That's good. But it's not just you're done. It's an ongoing process. It is an ongoing process. You'll have flare-ups, and then because you're aware of it, you know how to deal with it. It's sitting in that truth. Everything comes begins with truth. Um, Number two, in five words or less, if it was your five words or less to say Mm -hmm. on this earth, what would it be? Uh, I forgive me. I, I forgive you. I love you. And I'm sorry. Mm. You know, we went over five words, but all of them were so powerful. (laughs) (laughs) It had to come up and I love it. I forgive me. I forgive me first because it starts with us. I forgive you. I love you. And what was the last one? I'm sorry. sorry. Freedom. Mm -hmm. Woo! The last one. I love to sing. Sha-la-la-la. I do (laughs) love to sing, and I think I sound like Whitney at times. But what (laughs) I want to ask you is what song gets you through? Ooh, music. Gosh, that's a hard one, Nerdy. I love music. If you saw my house, we are full of instruments. So, um, hmm. that go to song. Oh, wow. I have so many, Nerdy. Okay, so. I love Prince. Mm-hmm. So there's a song, Adore. Adore. Yeah. 
that I listen to a lot when I say, until the end of time, I truly adore you. You are my heart and mind. I'll be there for you. I love that song. Oh, now you mean, I'm going to listen to that today. And then when he hits those falsettos, I'm like, ooh! <laughs> good, good. Oh, Trina, this was such a delight. I am so honored to know you as a sister. I'm so honored as a P2P sister. I'm so honored to have you in my space. Thank you for being a light. Thank you for being on the Redefining Grief podcast, Mother Series. Um, I love you. Love you too. Thank you so much for having me and letting me speak my truth and being who you are and walking people through their grief so that they can get to their joy. I, I love it. Thank you. Wow, that was good. And you know, I just, I think in this episode, I just heard the power of community. If you don't get something from where you think you're going to get it, put in that, that figure. Find somebody, find somebody that's going to support you and help you along the journey while also embracing and loving to the best of the ability to the people or the individuals in your life that could not meet your heart needs. That's good. Finding community. I knew that had to be hard decision for her to make. But listen, she's a better woman for it. I'm grateful for her light. I'm grateful for her coming on the grief mic and speaking her truth. With that being said, Trina, you did your thing, girl. You did your thing. And I wish you all the best as you continue to get to a place of restoration because you haven't met your best self yet. With that being said, I just want to remind you, don't forget to rate, subscribe, or I'm going to give it to you in order. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and write a review. That's how individuals find the Chief Grief Crusader, Herdeen Mercier, and her community of grievers who are redefining grief to find purpose. Have an amazing day or evening whenever you're listening to this podcast. Guess what? I see you. <laughs> Join my community on Facebook called the Grief Crusaders. Ciao, ciao.